What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Matt Goes to the Movies. We are here to talk about uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi streaming on Disney+. Plus. We are in to episode three. And before we really get started into this episode, there's there's certainly a topic that I would like to address, and I would love to get Rob and Harrison's opinion on this. But before I, I ask you what that to- or tell you what that topic is that I'm wondering uh, your thoughts on, uh, first I'll say welcome, uh, Rob. Uh, I know I was pleasantly surprised by this episode in in certain regards, but uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, thank you. I'm excited to talk about this. Um, I am absolutely uh, into this show and and ready for next week. Um, the the things they set in motion here are are definitely getting me very very hyped for this show. I was already excited for this show first two episodes i was kind of like okay you know i'm 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 liking this i'm giving them i'm giving them my benefit of the doubt but i haven't seen a lot yet um now i've seen some stuff yeah no uh absolutely you certainly were you know vocal uh about could this potentially be uh dangerous with what they're doing and you know doing something that is a, a prequel to a story that we already know do you have to retcon too many things but I'll, I'll be interested to see where your thoughts lie now after this episode uh but harrison welcome back uh to you as well thank you i uh sorry i had to jump out of the last one early but i'm excited to be back yeah, no, uh, good to have you here. Uh, you know, certainly look forward to, to getting you back on the, the next Jurassic uh, World movie that we'll be doing. But, uh, you know, let's uh, let's talk about this topic that I want to bring up, because I think it's important to uh, to talk about this. It's, it's not always sunshine and rainbows with with Star Wars, as we well know. And Rob, I'll get your f- thoughts first on this, but the the controversy surrounding some review bombing and everything else like what is wrong with with star wars fans because i'll i'll preface it this way um i think anybody that's watched a show or paid attention i would think they know what we're about to talk about um some pretty terrible comments being made towards uh one of the actresses in here and you know i will say that I am I'm actually really not a huge fan of the character. Um, I, I think she's not really that well developed at the moment because there's just too many lingering questions. But, you know, we joke about it all the time with nobody hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans. But this is just this is taking it to a different level. I just I, I don't understand. You know, I, I don't understand this at all. Um hard to disagree much with what you've said. I, I haven't really seen a lot from this character that makes me really captivated by her. I think I had some theories on our last episode that she, she's got personal reasons for wanting Obi-Wan as bad as she does, other than just trying to earn favor with Lord Vader. Um, <clears throat> so I think, you know, I think that's, that's there, but outside of that, I haven't really seen much from her. Um, do I, I mean, the actress playing the character, it, is doing a serviceable job. I, th- I think at times she maybe overdoes the, the Billy badass routine a little bit, but you know, I, I we just haven't seen enough yet. Um, I gotta be honest. I typically stay away from a lot of the news stories talking about this kind of stuff because I, it just, yeah, I don't know. It's not the kind of thing I find entertaining. It's not the kind of thing I want to fill my days with. So I typically stay away from it. I am really only just 
kind of aware in the fact that if you scroll around the internet long enough, you'll at least see headlines about what's going on, even if you choose not to click on it. I know Ewan McGregor has responded. I know that the official Star Wars pages um, have responded in some way. Um, review bombing in all forms is just stupid. Like if you legitimately don't like something, then go ahead and and give it a, a low review. Just not a review of Matt goes to the movies or the basement binge, of course, like just don't do that. But if you legitimately don't like something for your reasons, like you don't have to like something, but to go out of your way to review bomb. I mean, we saw, we talked about this a little bit with captain Marvel. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I think the whole practice is stupid. Um, it's juvenile. It doesn't really accomplish anything. It's, it's not effective. Um, you know, people are going to see what they want to see. I think, I think people are going to take word of mouth from people they trust over necessarily just the score on Rotten Tomatoes or, or some of these other places you can find something if they're going to decide if they want to watch it or not. Uh, I think we can all think of films that we absolutely adore and love that have terrible review scores in some of the places you can look. So I don't even really know how effective it is. But if it makes you feel like a man, like, okay, you know, you do you, man. Um, I it, I hate the I hate that this stuff has to happen, and I hate that every time something like this comes up, you know, we saw this with with another character in the Last Jedi, um, things very similar to this. Mm-hmm. I don't know I don't know why this keeps happening. It I I'm not sure what people hope to accomplish with it. I guess that's where I that's where I'm mystified. Like, what's their end game? Like, what are they hoping to do? Right. Yeah. Uh, Harrison, any 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 thoughts on on this? Yeah, I, I had, uh, well, can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay, just make sure. Um, yeah, I, I had, had heard about it, and then I went and on Instagram's Facebook page, or Instagram's Facebook page, that was, <laughs> <laughs> went on Star Wars's Instagram page and listened to the video of Ewan McGregor responding, and, and just the whole ordeal just, like, shocked me that that is something that would need to be addressed, that would be happening I don't know. I just thought that we gen- genuinely had had come a long way, uh, and it, it was just sad to hear. Uh, I mean, I, I definitely agree where I feel like, like, sure, you might have a complaint about the character. Maybe you're having a complaint about the actress who's playing the character. Like, I understand that. There's some, some actors or actresses who I don't like their performance, and that's fine, but just the level that it was taken to just seems like it's a problem with Star Wars. Like I, I forget the guy, the guy who played Jar Jar. He definitely had the same problem. Rob yeah. mentioned the Last Jedi. Like, what is wrong with the Star Wars community in particular? That there seems to be look at Jake, of... look at Jake Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, that's another example. another example. You know, like for it to happen so repeatedly in the same community is kind of ridiculous. Like, obviously, it didn't work before. Besides just ruining someone's life, which is horrible. But like. Star Wars didn't respond to your weird ideas of what Star Wars should be. Like, what what is your objective here besides just ruining good things? I don't know. And I'm kind of the person that I I think that we're our modern society is an outrage culture. I think there are a lot of people who look for things to get angry about. I think we're I think there's a lot of things in our society, not to get too far off onto a tangent here, but I think there's a lot of things in our society that people look for to get angry about. People, for whatever reason, enjoy being angry. 
um, you know, it validates their worldviews when they can be angry about something. So in, in some ways, I think there's an outrage culture that happens over something that three people say. You know, there's there's three people online that said something deplorable and awful and stupid. And 15 years ago, it would have been completely ignored and we would have never even heard about it. Um, and and the the conversation of the outrage is way louder than the thing that they were outraged about to begin with. Like, I definitely think that happens. Um but, you know, Harrison, you mentioned it, Matt, you, you threw in a couple other examples. It just keeps happening around Star Wars, though, and it goes back all the way to the prequel trilogy, you know, and, and actors and characters from that all the way through recent. So it, to me, I think this goes a little bit beyond what I was just talking about, that that the the response the outrage is way louder than what the initial three or four people that were saying something completely moronic and stupid uh, ever, you know, ever had a platform to get to. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with all of that. And, you know, Rob, we certainly, you know, we've talked about, and Harrison, I don't think you and I have ever really on any of our reviews, you know, mentioned specifically, but, you know, Rob, when we did the Halo show, we talked about Paul Schreiber and, you know, we weren't a, a huge fan of him at the beginning, but it, it never gets it. Like, it never comes at a personal attack. Like, look, it's just not my cup of tea, you know, not really doing it for me. I don't really like the performance and maybe it's bad script. Maybe it's bad directing. But, yeah, it's just it's really unfortunate to to see um that realistically it, it doesn't seem like we've we've come any further like when you think we have it's just like you see stuff like this and it's you know it's it's really sad and pathetic to to see what's going on and it's and honestly like that kind of stuff when i hear about it it makes me love star wars a little bit less every time that it happens because like I can think of a lot of bands that I like, wow, I really like that band, but man, I would never go to their live show because I could not see myself being surrounded by that many thousands of fans of that band because they're all morons. Like, and, and star Wars is almost getting to that way with me. I want to continue to love this universe. I want to continue to just be drawn into the, the worlds and the characters and the the conflicts and the story, just all of the wonderful things that everybody loves about Star Wars. And, you know, I, every time these things kind of happen, it's like, okay, is this what I'm hitching my wagon to? You know, like, uh, you know, it. I, I almost kind of brace myself now. You know, the next time we get anything Star Wars related, I'm going to brace myself for the fallout of, of stupid, moronic fans. Yeah, yeah, no, I certainly, uh, I, I certainly see where you're coming from. So, let's, uh, you know, let's let's switch topics and let's talk about hopefully, you know, the love of Star Wars um, with potentially this this episode here. And I got to tell you, from my from my opinion, Harrison, I'll, I'll get your thoughts on this. You know, first um, as we we're going to head into the, the watch rating segment of the show here, uh, whether it was high, medium or low for this episode on a rewatch, you know, I certainly did not expect what we got in this episode 
or should I say how much of what we got while we're still staying away from spoilers here. So uh, I'm going to let you go first with the watch rating and give us a quick recap of your thoughts on this episode while staying spoiler free for the moment. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good to me. I mean, I would say just immediately in, in a segment, the watch rating on this one is definitely to see how I, it, I, I kind of mentioned that I just don't really watch TV shows a lot. I don't rewatch them. And so just this entire segment is a little bit lower than it would be for me. I would normally say, but this one is one where it, this is, is a medium and, and it's not because what in it isn't good. It's because what it gives me just makes me want more and, and assuming and kind of being hopeful in what's going to come later in the season, I would want to rewatch what I'm hoping happens later. If you know what I mean? Like if this is all we uh. get, I would totally rewatch this, but based on what I've been given, I think I'm going to be given more type of thing. And so I would rather end up rewatching that over to this, if that makes sense. So that's why it's just a medium. Um, yeah. But makes uh, sense. Retroactively, I'll come back to this. And, and, <laughs> and I, I would agree with you as well, because I, in what you said that, that I was surprised with what we got and, and how soon we got it and how much of it we got. And, what it was that we got if you if you get what i mean it's <laughs> very very specific right but it just i knew that what we're talking about if i assume we're talking about the same thing what else could we be talking about i knew it was going to happen in the season i had no idea that it was going to happen in episode three especially like halfway through episode three not you know like a tease at the end and mm -hmm. also that it would be so emotional and so like painful to watch in the best that's like a compliment painful to watch and, and and hard and and gut-wrenching and like sincere to the characters for lack of better words it just it was really a lot more than i ever thought it would be in a lot of ways yeah i'm gonna agree with everything there rob i'll let you cap off the segment um but for me the watch rating on this one is a high because i i immediately wanted to go back after this was over and rewatch some of what I thought were the little subtleties in body movement, eye twitches, um, maybe just interpreting things in my, my own right. And, you know, I'm, I'm seeing things the way that I want to see them. My perspective on this, uh, you know, certain episode is this, and I'm just going to tell myself that I'm right. And this is how I feel. But for me, this episode had so much that I didn't think we were going to get that I almost just watched it back in awe of wow I, I can't believe we went this deep I know this is only a six episode series but I still really did not expect to get as much as we did um, this early because that was one of my big fears I say early you know we're 50% of the way done um, but that was one of my biggest fears is, you know, you were going to have the carrot dangled in front of you, but you weren't getting it until the finish line. So um, I'll leave my spoiler free section at that statement. Yeah, you guys have been uh, vaguely specific and very specifically vague all at the same time. Uh, <laughs> um, high watch rating for me. Um, uh, you know, I, I think that very much like you said, it's hard to talk about this without getting into spoilers and it's hard not to be really excited about, wow, I wasn't expecting that at this point. 
Um, you know, Harrison, you mentioned that parts it's painful to watch, but in the best way, I think what we see is this is really the benefit of this particular piece of the story kind of being put down for a little while and we come back to it 20 years later. Um, there's a real benefit to that. There's, you know, we've kind of forgotten how bad the prequel trilogy is at times, you know, certainly the, the third entry is, is much, much better. Uh, it's one of the better star Wars films in the saga, uh, by most people's, you know, rankings. When, when you see people talk about what they've liked and dislike the first two less so, but you kind of forget about that because when, when the prequel trilogy was really good, it was when it was these two guys together. That's when it was really good. And and when you put that story down for a little while and don't revisit it, you kind of forget the parts of those that don't work. You kind of remember a little bit more of the stuff that does work. And and when you have a great actor like Ewan McGregor and seeing all of the pain that he goes through because of all of these years um, that he's been living with this, it's very, very powerful. Um, and I think that's, I think that's really the, the benefit sometimes instead of as much as the three of us will just take as much MCU content as we can get, just turn that crank. Give me another one, you know, give me another show, give me another movie. I'll be there. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm watching it the moment it streams on Disney plus I'm there opening night. Like we want that. There's also a trade-off to that. I, th I think that some of the excitement that you get from something that's been dormant for a while is, is really kind of compelling. One of the things that this show does very well and continues to do well for me is building tension. And what I really think makes it even more effective when I say it builds tension, the two uh, protagonists that it focuses on are Obi-Wan and Leia. We already know these characters survive the events of this show. No matter what else happens, we already know they live to make it to a new hope. And yet somehow the tension is so well done all of the situations they find themselves in you're still actually afraid for these characters how are they going to get out of this even though we already know they survive and that is so hard to do in a prequel it's one of the things that was heavily criticized about the solo um you know spin-off film was that you know it just didn't ever feel like these characters were truly ever in danger because you already know chewbacca and han make it um and I think that's one of the things this show so far has done very well. Yeah, I I certainly agree with you. So uh, we're going to cap off the watch rating segment so we can move into spoilers with, with popcorn time. And, you know, this episode starts off with Obi-Wan, Leia. You know, they are trying to get back home, but... Again, I enjoyed her in the first episode. Harrison, I'll, I'll I'll pose this to you. I enjoyed her in episode one, episode two. I thought, you know, this actress has done a really good job of portraying Leia. And I enjoyed her again. And, you know, you, you thought this story was really going to be, again, about Obi-Wan, Vader, and Obi-Wan protecting Luke or what, he, you know, Luke's life. Really, this show has been a focus on Obi-Wan and Leia, which I was not expecting, but it's been a welcome surprise. And the the scene where he calls her Leia when he's supposed to be pretending that she's his daughter, I actually, I love that scene. And I thought it was just so well done because while he's lying and saying, 
oh, that was her mother's name. When I look at her face, I, 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 I see her mother. You know, he's lying about the name aspect, but he's telling the truth in that he sees Padme when he looks at Leia. And I thought it was a really well done job by Ewan McGregor portraying that. I, I felt like in that moment, when he's looking at her, he's actually real like he's feeling the burden of how much he failed Padme as well because he wasn't able to help Anakin. It's you know, there's so many lives that were destroyed and so many things that were lost because he couldn't ultimately help Anakin. And this, you know, this girl that he's now all of a sudden trying to protect is like he's getting a reminder as if he doesn't have enough reminders of what happened. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really glad we're talking about that scene. I thought that was exceptional. I mean, just really clever writing as well. And maybe, maybe it's just cause I was so unaware, but like you said it to me, it was also the first time I realized that Obi-Wan isn't just feeling sorrow for Anakin, but also for Padme and, and also for Leia and Luke and how they will not have their mother, Padme, who is an exceptional woman in her own right, you know, and, and like that added level of sorrow that he feels is just what well, I never thought of. I never contemplated it because it's always Obi-Wan and Anakin I think about. And I just thought it was really well done. Like, and like Rob pointed out, you really get to see Ewan McGregor pull at your heartstrings. And, and there was just a lot of that this episode. A lot of it is just in glances, and a lot of it is just in kind of the way he holds himself, his entire body language. Uh, you can tell he just really feels burdened and responsible for the heartache of, of so many, uh, especially his own. And, it, it you know, especially for what we get later, it, it's a good balance to have it all. Because And, and I, I was thinking about this in the shower totally random but i was thinking about this what i was going to say on this podcast episode in the shower and just thinking this is a really different slower story we get than than other star wars and you know part of that is just my personal complaint with tv shows that they tend to drag out the story more naturally but but we normally don't get such an um, uh, uh character focused story a lot of it is uh kind of plot focused event focused story you know, uh, there's definitely character in it that's very essential, uh, not to say that there isn't, but especially to linger on the, I don't know, negative emotions of a character. Like, Star Wars has always been kind of hopeful and finding hope in the most difficult circumstances and, you know, the light side triumphing over the dark side type of thing. And this is a unique opportunity to get down into the gutters of life with somebody who really has been down there for quite a while. Yeah, Rob, your uh, your thoughts here. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about that scene, Matt, all of the things that you read into it, I was really hoping that I wasn't forcing my own sort of desires for what I wanted it to be onto it. And and I read all of the same things that, that you did. Um, and, and, you know, Harrison kind of talked about that a little bit as well. You know, we're also kind of talking about Easter eggs and things like that on this show. And um one of the things that I kind of found as I was doing some research, there was a Anakin uh, Padme Obi-Wan love triangle that was actually cut as a plot from the original or from the prequel trilogy, which would have 
you know, possibly when he said, I wish, I wish I could say that I was when he had, when he says that line, you know, it almost kind of made me wonder for just a second, like, did he actually kind of have a thing for Padme? Was he actually a little bit jealous of Anakin? Like I kind of, I kind of thought about that just for the briefest of moments, but I, I actually don't believe that, but it was kind of, it's kind of interesting that they, they kind of, I don't know if you want to call that a nod to it, but it's just something that I found interesting. Um, but yeah, the, the heartache for all of those same reasons, you know, this is a man and, you know, he and, and Master Yoda really kind of are, are bearing the same burden that, that they failed and they failed so spectacularly that the entire galaxy is suffering now because of their inability to recognize what was clearly happening in front of them. And now this little girl that he is in, in you know, in the short term trying to save because he couldn't do it in the long term, you know, now he's, it's even more important to try to do it. Now, all of those things, you could just kind of see that um, in this scene. And it's, it's so crazy that all of this reads in, in just that short moment. And while those stormtroopers are asking a very pointed questions and, and he's in real danger, she's in real danger here. Um, mm-hmm. And, and they're trying to find a way out of it. Um, and, and it's like I mentioned before, it's a tense scene. Yeah. Uh, it's just super quick to jump in that I ran into as well. It just Robbie reminded me of that I wanted to point out is that I forget her name. She's in the Clone Wars. Um, this love interest um, on Mandalore that Obi-Wan had um, kind of before he was a Jedi that in order to live the Jedi code, he left her behind. And it was a really difficult decision for him. And and there was so much of that scene as well where I thought, you know, what I not thinking about the three-way triangle with, with Padme at all, but just, just thinking about obi-wan and and the sacrifices that he had to make at love and fatherhood to be a jedi and maybe the statement you know i really wish i could be your father or whatever the exact line was that like almost kind of thinking was this jedi was a sacrifice to be a jedi kind of worth it or or not because i seem to have failed was all that sacrifice worth this failure type of thing and it, it just so much sorrow for one individual in lots of ways yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, I mean, also, it, it, it's clear, it, it's clear that the Jedi are like supposed to be hoes because the the fact that uh, how how are force sensitive kids supposed to be born if you're not supposed to be in love or have a family? Like they're they're all just made by the midichlorians, All these force sensitive <laughs> people. Like, yeah, the, it's it's all immaculate conceptions by you know the the force coming together. Yeah, like I again, this was something we talked about. One of my biggest things with the prequel trilogy is it just the sometimes the Jedi way just seems just really odd. You know, like oh, you can't be in love, you can't do this, and it's just like, what? Wait a minute, like how do all these people? Like how are all these people born then? I feel like I saw something that George Lucas had said when he was questioned about this a while ago, where it's like, well, it's not that they have to be celibate. They just can't have attachments. And it's just it's kind of like, well, if that isn't just writing out a, a hall pass for every Jedi to just right. have every one night stand they ever wanted and just like, sorry, babe, can't get too attached. You know, right. <laughs> There's cab fares on the dresser. Yeah. So it, it's just something that's it, it just bugs me. But um you know, as they're trying to figure out how to, you know, get back and get out of harm's way, I do also want to point out where 
Rob, you mentioned they're they're in real danger, but there's certain elements before the the big reveal, and you know what we'll get into that I think will take up the main part of uh, of our talking points. You know when Obi Wan has to fight the stormtroopers, uh, you know there's really he takes them out very very easily. He's still even though it's not with a lightsaber, he's still very versed. Um, he certainly learned how to use a blaster. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of a trouble. And I think that just goes to, you know, it further highlights for me in this episode, and Rob, I'll let you go first, you know, how traumatized he is by his main burden, you know, throughout his, you know, his exile now. Because yeah, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't shut down with the stormtroopers. No, he um, he he's definitely he's a warrior, you know, and when you put a, a warrior at heart in a situation where he knows he's in danger, he's already he's sitting there planning, particularly when he knows that that Leia's life is now in jeopardy and and he can't screw this up. I mean, he's right, already right. screwed up so bad. He's failed the galaxy. He's failed her mother. He can't fail her. And so he's already running through disaster scenarios in his mind. Like, okay, if I had to act, what would I do first? And he's preparing himself for that. Um, and I, I actually think a little bit, so we, we see this in, uh, and I, we've talked a little bit about Jedi Fallen Order. You know, we've seen former Jedi kind of wall themselves off from the force. And I think that's a little bit of what we see from Obi-Wan. I think to a, a large extent, he's done that for a variety of reasons, possibly to avoid detection and possibly for, you know, his own grief um, that it's, you know, if he's no longer that person, he just walls himself off from that way. Uh, so I kind of think there's a little bit of that. But when it comes time to throw down, you know, he, he it's like falling off a bike, you know, he's, he's just right back at it. Um, and that, that was really cool to see, but it's, we talk about this a lot, man, the Jedi are just dumb, right? Like the Jedi are dumb. The Sith are dumb. Stormtroopers are dumber than all of them because he's sitting there and every, and I said this last week, everybody knows what, or should know what Obi-Wan looks like. Like how, how do they expect me to believe that none of these stormtroopers have ever seen a picture of this guy? Like, Hey, by the way. If you're out on patrol, we're looking for these folks still. Like, here's the remaining mm -hmm. Jedi we think are still in the world. This is what they look like. Oh, by the way, he was a hero of the Clone Wars. He was, a you know, and not necessarily that he's rock star status, you know, just from being a part of the Jedi Council. But it's, it's hard for me to think that there's not, like, an awareness of who this guy is. Um, and so he's, it just always mystifies me that he can just sit next to stormtroopers and then have them not know who they are. And, and that's one of the, and I'm just going to go with the fact that the stormtroopers are all morons. The Jedi are morons and the Sith are morons because the whole thing of just his, his Ben Kenobi identity has always bothered me. You know, Luke having the Skywalker last name and the two of them hanging out on Anakin's home planet this whole time. And nobody finds them. Like that has always been something that just like, never made sense to me except that they're just all idiots well the best place to hide is in plain sight with the same light like nobody would even bother <laughs> to check it out like hey we're looking for anakin skywalker's kid 
huh, wonder, <laughs> wonder who this guy is that has the same last name. Like, you know, and one of the things I always find funny about Star Wars is, you know, it was, it was conceptualized in the 70s. So, so much of what they do, like their technology is futuristic, but still rooted in what they could have thought of in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So things like an ultrasound, you know, to figure out that there were twins, like, you know, they wouldn't have had that at the time. So it's it's kind of interesting that Vader never would have, he would have known that Padme was pregnant, but I I don't think he ever knew there were that there were two babies or what the genders of the babies were unless you guys remember something i don't uh no i don't i don't think they ever made reference to that at all yeah no, so, so. The, yeah so he doesn't i mean he might be looking for an offspring but he doesn't know he wouldn't know that there were two um which i think is kind of interesting i also i was going to say that rob they don't in this in star wars they don't have uh black baseball caps and sunglasses to go in disguise so they just use alternate <laughs> yeah, black thing. baseball cap you put your hood up and you put the right. you put the aviators on and now nobody yeah. knows who you are through through star wars and and marvel we've we've witnessed the the evolution of hiding um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the different exactly. disguises um but you know they're again going through his relationship with Leia, I think is very, very strong, something that I was not expecting. And we touched on it, but I still, I, here's one other part that I want to talk about. And Rob, you can lend your theory to this is we find out that there is a secret tunnel for Jedi. Uh, and you know, Obi-Wan's not the first Jedi who has come through this tunnel. I, you know, Harrison, I know you don't like to. Um, boy, do I have some expectations now, or not expectations, but I guess hopes for who I would like to be one of the Jedis that have come through that tunnel because the events line up with the timeline of this show. Yeah, so will we get something from Jedi Fallen Order? Um, I I said already that I think they will. I think just the simple fact of the timing um, of the announcement of the second game, it coincides with the release of this show. The events are all the same, or, you know, it's all that same period of time. There's a lot of, you know, the inquisitors and things like that. Um, so I, I think I'm not convinced necessarily we'll get Cal Kestis. Um, that might be, you know, a little much. Um, I think we might get Seer. I think the, you know, a a smaller character within, you know, I, you could see her, you you could possibly see her. She knows that she has a lot of atoning to do. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that, and not necessarily that we see her on screen, but we might hear her referenced, um, maybe the ship, something that, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and Harrison, I'll, I'll let you go next if you have any thoughts on that, and I'll I'll pose a, a second question. You know, what I really liked about this too was the fact that you don't really get this, and it you know makes you think: Are there more? Because I certainly don't count Rise of Skywalker's turn. I'll even admit that that was just really stupid. Um, are there more defective Imperial people who just kind of got caught up in it and for their own, you know, their own protection or maybe for the protection of their family, they, you know, unfortunately got caught where they, they had to go along with it. I, I actually really like that aspect of this episode too, that, 
you know, there's this person out there that didn't, uh, you know, didn't necessarily want this, but had to, to do what, you know, they had to do in order to, to get by. Yeah. Okay. So, so many things to comment about one, I, I would love, even though I've never played Jedi Final Fallen Order and the only character I know is Cal Kestis, I would love that connection. And what a great way to get people excited about the second game. I, I think, I mean, especially because you don't, yeah, I mean, you don't want to overshadow Obi-Wan. I don't think anybody could, but like, the Jedi are so much better when there's more of them. <laughs> just, <clears throat> yeah, that's, but, but also, I, I really like that as well, because I just, I liked the idea that, that there are people in the world who would recognize the wrongness of the Empire and would be willing to fight against it. You know, like, to me, it kind of reminded me of the Underground Railroad here in the mm-hmm. US. Uh, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. Like, I can believe that. If, that, you know, that clearly happens in, uh, you know, Earth history, I would believe that that would happen in Star Wars history. And and, and the... Yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that part of it. Rob, any, any thoughts on that? Because I didn't pose that to you. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see somebody who gets caught up in it. Um, but also, I, I'll tell you something that I kind of liked about this was we see this guy, Freck, who's just this simple transport driver. You know, blue collar mm. doesn't even, I mean, doesn't really have a collar because I don't think his neck really allows for a collar. But, you know, in our terms, he's a blue collar guy just driving a truck and he's pro empire because it makes him feel safe. Um, they it's brought order to the galaxy. Um, it, you know, in a lot of ways, the empire has always been a stand in for fascist regimes. And mm-hmm. the entire prequel trilogy is literally a playbook for how to, you know, bring about an authoritarian fascist regime. It's literally like step by step how it's done. And the Empire has always sort of felt that way. I mean, they even called the stormtroopers stormtroopers <laughs> like that's <laughs> that's right out of Nazi Germany, you know. So um, at times it's very based on real events in, in world history. And you think about a guy like Freck, you know, part of the reason why regular people went along with some of these authoritarian fascist regimes is, you know, there's the the very famous phrase that Nazis made the trains run on time. You know, that's yep. people went along with it. They had order. They had, you know, a common enemy. They believed that they were being looked out for. And you see that in this guy, Freck. He's like, yeah, I'm, the Empire's done this for me. The Empire's done that. You know, it seems like it seems like he's like, he seems like a good citizen really. Right. Because he tells the stormtroopers who are kind of stand-ins for, you know, a police force of some kind, like, Hey, something's fishy about these two. You may want to check it out. He's actually a really good citizen right? in his own, in his own mind. Now he's, he's putting our heroes, the, the people that we believe are the protagonists the people we believe are on the good side. He's putting them at risk. But I just love that there was just, you know, it's Star Wars has always been about light and dark. But it's black and white. I, I love seeing that there's a little more to it than just that. I, It's a small character. And I, I actually just really enjoyed that they introduced that to us. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a, a really good point to make. Um, you know, it, you know, it's not always crazy interesting when it is just purely black and white so i i agree with that statement but you know i think we'll talk about this character 
quickly before we move on. But, you know, one of the main things that we get is we, we get Reva in this episode and we talked about earlier, but again, I don't really, she's just really bratty. Um, I think through the first three episodes. So not really a fan of her character development. You know, certainly there's theories, Rob, you have said things. Um, however, I will say that while I don't particularly like her story so far and just her, you know, I'm going to be second in command and, you know, uh, this is owed to me or whatever attitude she has. I do think there's a part of her scene um, with Lord Vader, I think is really well done and shows immediately how in control and just, I don't want to use the word manipulative, but maybe yeah, manipulative Vader can be. And, and what I'm talking about is the scene where she is talking to Vader and talks about the grand inquisitor. And he literally says the grand inquisitor means nothing. And then 20 seconds later dangles the title in front of her, like, Oh, bring me Kenobi and I'll grant you the title of grand inquisitor because he senses how much that means to her. And I, I love that, but I just, again, right now I'm not really getting anything from this character. So uh, Rob, I'll let you go first on this one and let Harrison talk about his thoughts on it. Yeah. I'd love to see a little bit more because Matt, you said it so far, she's been pretty one track, Um, you know, just, accomplish my mission for the sake of accomplishing my mission so far her motivations are only something we can speculate about and we haven't really seen much more from her other than that you know uh, when at all costs right now is what mm-hmm. we're seeing um and so i'd like to kind of have, have a little bit more at first i thought she was going to be kind of our big bad for this uh series with with vader kind of maybe popping in at some point and now it's it seems pretty clear that Vader's going to be our our main villain for this um, I, the one thing that really became kind of obvious to me watching this, holy cow, is there a, a huge difference in virtually everything you can think of between Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. As soon mm-hmm. as he becomes Darth Vader, not only does the voice change, but like the speech pattern changes, the way he talks to people changes, uh, just the, he becomes way more cunning. Like it's amazing, right? Did he not? It, it was it just me, or did he not look bigger than yes. W- yes. like he looked bigger? He looked more menacing than what I was used to seeing Vader. And uh, I'm just gonna say this, and you guys can talk about it at you know your own pace or anything as as we continue. If there is one thing that Disney, I think, has gotten right every single time with star Wars, any of these franchises that they have put Vader in so far, they have nailed a home run with his presentation. Um, They certainly have not done wrong by Vader because not only, you know, was Vader, you know, Vader was intimidating in the original trilogy, but man, they have managed to up that in this episode 
like they have ramped that up to 11 as the saying goes and not only that but that scene of him suiting up again just if they've gotten one thing right consistently that i just i literally i got through that scene and i rewound it immediately like right during the episode and went back to watching him suit up again because Again, I was I was almost in shock, like, whoa, like we're actually getting like wait, no, we're getting Vader in this episode. I really did not expect it. <laughs> it's the scene where he's kind of like getting all bolted together and stuff like that. Like, I'd love to see like a Star Wars version of a NASCAR pit crew come out with like the air rack and <laughs> put them together. Like that that would be fun. Like he takes a little battle damage and he makes a pit stop and they put a new arm on and things like that. Like, can we get a bunch of Jawas doing that? Like I'm picturing that in my head now and I'm loving it. Um, <laughs> it's it's a really gross scene when you get right down to it, but holy cow, was it effective? Um, but yeah, it's my concern for this series is we're going to have an unhelmeting, an unwarranted, unwanted unhelmeting. And Matt, we talked about this a lot with the Halo show. You know, we never did anything for Book of Boba Fett, but, you know, certainly it felt weird that he barely wore his helmet in that. Like, they found as many excuses as possible for him to walk around with. And I get it. Like, you have to be able to emote. It's You can show so much more emotion. You can show so many more things um, when the actor can, is showing his face. Um, but I think the temptation to have anakin's face you know hayden christensen's face that they've made such a big deal that they're bringing him back he's he's here he's he's actually on set um they've made such a big deal of it for them not to use that uh in some way i've always been kind of apprehensive about how that was going to work like are we would we see him in flashback you know how would that actually happen um i'm worried well we did get a glimpse harrison i'll let you go um we did see Anakin Skywalker as Hayden Christensen, which I loved. I, I'm not going to lie. I swelled up a little bit um, as much as I did not like Anakin in the prequels. Um, it's just been so cool to know that he's back and to actually see Hayden Christensen, um, which I thought was a, a precursor, almost like he could sense that he was like Obi-Wan when he saw Anakin. um could almost sense that he was eventually going to see Vader. Like it was an homage to, you know, what was about to come. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So many things to talk about. Um, but I, I, I had read somewhere. I did. I, well, I had read, I, I saw the headline that a bunch of people had like stormed the set to see mm-hmm. Christensen in the Darth Vader costume. Um, which like, I would just like to see a press photo released of like Hayden Christensen in the Vader costume. Like, right. I don't want it revealed, but there's something that as a fan is exciting to imagine that, which I don't know if this is true or not hoping it is that that's Hayden Christensen in that suit. I don't have to see him just, just imagining that it's him sometimes makes it it powerful. Um, And that's all we need. Um, And I think the way that they reminded the audience of that, with that little glimpse of Anakin, that Obi-Wan saw, I thought was really effective in doing that because it, 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 it added to the excitement that that's, that's my Anakin in there, which I refer to him as actually what he is to me. 
it, it, it was exciting. And I don't need the helmet revealed because Darth Vader is the helmet. Like, uh, I know this is jumping a lot, but but that one scene towards the end where he's standing in front of the flames just, just watching, and the flames you see in his mask and kind of like the bottom of his eye, whatever, goggle things, uh, it just was like an incredible shot uh, for lots of reasons that wouldn't work without his helmet. And so I, I hope that they don't remove it. Um, but yeah, I, I one of the things that I really have enjoyed about so far Darth Vader in this series that Rob talked about is that he really feels threatening uh, and menacing. He feels so different than Anakin, but also because this is still, he is definitely Darth Vader, but this is still the Anakin Darth Vader, if you know what I mean, where the Darth Vader we see in the, in the original trilogy is definitely Darth Vader, Darth Vader. And to me, this is Anakin Darth Vader that's still a little bit unhinged, still emotionally destroyed and, and traumatized and angry and a little bit childish in the way that he holds grudges, uh, I would say. And that unhinged Darth Vader is terrifying. Like, just knowing that Vader was coming, like, that he was on the, the, the same planet as them, like, before the confrontation even happened, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I have no idea what he's going to do. And then he, he, like, I don't know if you've ever seen those TikToks where it's like, don't let him know your next move. Like, Darth Vader really had that energy as he was walking down that, you know, uh, mm. whatever you would call it, that that neighborhood that's not the right word uh, that little town thing um and was just like doing and you could tell that he was doing it because he knew obi-wan was watching him and it's it just that unhinged darth vader is extra threatening because darth vader was always menacing and now to know that he's a little um yeah l a little more uh spastic is terrifying but I, I gotta say, I really didn't like that that bit. So he's walking down this this street in this village, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, look, a villager! I'm gonna force choke you. Oh, hey, look, another one! I'm gonna force drag you, and then snap your neck or whatever it was he does." I I actually didn't like that a lot because it didn't it didn't make sense. He didn't need to do that. And one of the things that's always made Darth Vader so cool and and like why he's everybody's favorite villain ever is he he can't be bothered to even like run really like he just he uses the most minimal amount of effort possible and for him as he's storming to get obi-wan to be like oh while i'm at it i'm just gonna force choke this person i'm gonna end this person's life just kind of because like it felt it felt like they were trying to show that this was a cruel man for the sake of of making him feel cruel but like what did that accomplish like how did that help him get to his goal it it felt kind of out of character for me and i kind of hated it see i i interpreted it with he thought that would bring obi-wan out um and then realizing that so okay i'll, I'll just i'll kind of go here for a second uh my interpretation of that was he senses Obi-Wan is there and close. Like he's not, you know, he's not only on the planet, but he's in that vicinity. But I also think he senses from the last episode when Obi-Wan says Anakin, and then you see Anakin's eyes opening up when he's in the tank. I think right then and there, he also senses some of the fear that Obi-Wan has, and he's not going to come out like Vader realizes Obi-Wan's not going to come to him. So he does these things that he thinks are going to have Obi-Wan 
reveal himself. Uh, when Obi-Wan doesn't, he really stops doing what he's doing and pursues him. Um, which I know one complaint is why Vader, uh, one complaint I've heard for this episode is why Vader would let Obi-Wan leave and not pursue him. And for me, again, I'm going to interpret it this way. And this is how I viewed the episode. Once he starts to see Obi-Wan and they get into their battle and, and he realizes how easy it is, it really becomes almost more and Rob, maybe you don't like this either, but to me, it almost becomes more of a game, so to speak. Um, he wants you know, he now realizes that he can make Obi-Wan suffer more than maybe what he thought he could because Obi-Wan's turned himself off to the force. You know, Vader only needs to use one hand on the lightsaber. Well, you can tell Obi-Wan's really trying to, you know, hold his own. I think it's almost like Vader realizing that, geez, I can... I can really make him suffer now. This is this guy is broken, um, but he's not shattered. And now, now that's my goal. Before, maybe it was killing Obi Wan, uh, but now it's no. I can I can shatter this man. I, I I've, if anybody's ever played sports or uh, any kind of top competition, but especially sports, when you have like this rival or this opponent. That, you know, you, you really go back and forth with, and suddenly you do something, and you can tell that you now have the upper hand mentally over them, that you've intimidated them or made them afraid. It is the most powerful feeling ever, um, kind of addictive. And uh, I, I think that, like I said, there, this is still in a, a, the Anakin Darth Vader that's, in my mind, still emotionally immature. I will say, uh, I think that we see a lot of emotional immaturity from Anakin in the entire prequel trilogy. Like that's that's why Anakin becomes Darth Vader, um, and, and a bunch of other reasons. Um, that's extremely <laughs> watered down to say that that's the only reason. Um, and, and so I think that that's just like a really like you were saying, Matt. That it, that's that Darth Vader obviously is obsessed with power and power over Obi Wan. There's a little bit of pride going on there and to feel that sense of power that that i can keep him on the run i can keep him on his toes and i can keep him afraid uh is i i think is what he's after i definitely saw that too i mean when he's when he force lifts him up in the air um he could just as easily mm -hmm. force pull him into his lightsaber and just end it or throw the lightsaber or do any number of things and just completely end it I definitely saw a cat playing with its food first. Um, I definitely saw that. And I definitely read the, that immaturity that he's driven so much by his anger and his perceived betrayal from Obi-Wan um, that he needs to really make this last as long as he can. Um, and, and he was going to enjoy every single second of it, you know, try to make him beg, try to do whatever, try to, you know, tell him now I have the high ground, which is still such a stupid line, but I digress. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely read a lot of that into it and it's not even necessarily that I think he's upset that he gets away. Um, Cause he's like, fine, he's going to dread. He's going to always be looking over his shoulder for me. He knows I can beat him. He's going to be looking for me. Um, they have said leading into this, that we will get the rematch of the century. And everybody assumed that to mean somehow there would be a battle between Vader and Obi-Wan. 
and we got that. But do we think this uh, this this fight in this episode was what they were referring to? Because I will tell no. you, not at all, not a <laughs> freaking chance. There is like a zero point five percent chance that these two do not square off again by the end of so maybe we get like an 80s montage of uh of obi-wan training or something like that and he's trying to get his mojo back so he can you know get back in a fight shape so he can he can you know square off against vader for the for the for the title or whatever but um you know i they're, they're definitely gonna they're definitely gonna have a lightsaber battle again um at least you know at least one more time um i think probably one more and that and that'll probably be it but uh, that's that's certainly my uh, my thinking. I won't necessarily call it a prediction, but that's just sort of what I expect to happen. If I allow myself to make one prediction, I just I, I meant to say this, <laughs> but I got distracted. <laughs> you. This, but you, you guys pulled it out of me. I I hope I, and I think that this is too far. I think this is beyond what will actually happen. But this is what would be awesome. I think that in some way, an acknowledgement of Ahsoka in this series honestly is going to do a lot for Ahsoka in her series coming up but also just like i, I doubt I mean, and i know that there's a lot of uh, involvement that ahsoka had in rebels including with darth vader that i haven't seen yet and i've heard that some of those characters from rebels are going to be in the series which sounds awesome um but but i think that i i would imagine and i love ahsoka she's one of my favorite characters in all of star wars i think that she would be highly involved in that underground railroad i'm going to call it of the jedi and Force-sensitive users running for their life. I think that Ahsoka would be involved in that in some way. And to me, the rematch of the century is Obi-Wan, Anakin, or Obi-Wan, Darth Vader, and Ahsoka. And, but like, but also that there's definitely... That's just like my childish wishes. But there's definitely going to be something between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Or I keep... And Darth Vader, I keep calling him Anakin. Uh, which... I, I don't think Ahsoka should be involved in that fight necessarily, but I think that she could should be involved in Obi Wan and getting him to reconnect to the Force in some way. Do you guys uh, think, speaking of you know like cameos or things like that, do you guys think we see any of Padme in this? Do we see that at all? Is there something that happens where she speaks to Anakin through the Force? I don't think so. So my either, so, but I'm curious. My prediction is. Uh, for like Obi-Wan's kind of push is and again this is this is more of my like my fanboy being this is what I would want is Qui-Gon being the Obi-Wan to Obi-Wan as Obi-Wan was to Luke where he says you must con you must confront Darth Vader um you know, as Obi-Wan has been trying to reach back out to Qui-Gon throughout this show, that is, that's what I want to happen is that Qui-Gon will be that, that voice that says you have to confront him. Like you, you have to face him. Uh, that's, that's what I want to happen for Obi-Wan to kind of get back and, and get that courage of, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to confront him. Cause boy, when, when Vader clicks on that lightsaber, I'll tell you what, uh, Obi Wan. He, he said, "Feet don't fail me now." He he booked it out of there. He was he looked for the nearest exit when he first saw him. Oh, he beat tracks because he knew he was in no shape at all. And I'll tell you when uh, 
he comes around that corner and Vader is standing there and you don't really see, like you see there's an obstruction there, but you don't necessarily recognize yep. it. On, and by the time your mind recognizes what it is, he's already igniting the lightsaber. That was such a great moment in this. I was a kid all over again. I was like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I was giddy. I was kind of like bouncing in my seat a little bit in ways that are very uncharacteristic for me. <laughs> Yeah, it was, I mean, that whole thing was good. And even too, I mean, we didn't even talk about, you know, just that line from Obi-Wan of what have you become invader just so like casually just saying, I am what you made me. I, I loved it. I thought everything about this Vader and Obi-Wan interaction, I thought everything about, you know, everything about Vader in this episode, him sitting on that throne, him staring out the window, you know, basically in the direction of the spot where he was burned and left for dead. Um, Again, this was just so much of, for me, understanding the character of Vader. I, I thought, everything was was perfect in that uh, i agree i i really really loved it I, there, there was so much about it that was so good and and especially like you you could kind of mention this earlier matt to see how like afraid obi-wan is especially in contrast to him fighting the stormtroopers i just i thought it was awesome to see and th- there's just this this one to me, the child inside of me came out when Obi-Wan ignites his lightsaber for the first time, and he kind of turns around and, like, throws it. Like, almost gives mm-hmm. it that motion that you had to do with the toys, where you had to throw out the, like, the plastic extending lightsaber. Uh, <laughs> and and just the, the sound and the light, how it lit up Obi-Wan's face and everything around him, It that is what made me giddy. It was was that particular moment because i thought I, I like freaked out i was like no way it looks so good yeah, right I, yeah I, I was losing it yeah i did really like how the shot was mostly you know lit up because of the lightsabers like that's where you got your lighting from um that it wasn't like this big you know lighted set or anything like that you know the the ambiance so to speak i thought added a lot to that yeah, that I noticed that right away, and I thought that was such a cool detail. In fact, I think at first Obi Wan kind of turns his saber on just more to see than anything else mm-hmm. uh, at one point, and it it just it really added kind of a, a level of tension to that scene. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Harrison, is there anything else that you you know we haven't touched on in this episode that you uh, you know that you made notes of or or anything like that? Um, I'm trying to think, and and I, I don't really think there is. I guess the only other thing that I would say is that I loved, or or, actually, something else changed my mind. What I want to talk about. <laughs> uh, it, it, you kind of talked about it with Riva and everything going on with her. I I think that her characterization is still too vague right now, it, and I love what you said Matt earlier about Darth Vader just totally manipulating her, but. But I want to understand, I, I, like you said, we're 50% through the, the season now. I want to understand why she is so motivated for this. You know, was she a pre- previous Jedi? Does she have something personal against Obi-Wan? So was she a survivor of Order 66? What, you know, what's going on there? And, and why does she feel that it is owed to her to be the 
and I, yeah, I, I just, we got to get something more on that because right now it is very much just like, we, we just need the bratty girl here to, to add some drama every once in a while. Yeah. Rob, any, you know, any other thoughts on the, the episode itself or any talking points that we didn't uh, touch on that you had, you know, noted? Um, two things real quick. Um, when the stormtrooper gets cut in half by the laser fence, like that's actually kind of awesome. Um, yeah, that was cool. I like that. That was yeah, awesome. Sweet. A stormtrooper using a nine year old who only comes up to his waist as a shield. Um, that was dumb. Like, uh, dude, you're, you're not, you're barely even covering half of yourself with her. Like what, what are you doing with that? Like it's, it's one of those things that seems so obvious um, to the viewer, much in the same way that we had kind of laughed about in the first episode when Leia gets abducted, like just the, the chase through the woods is literally the worst chase. I think that's ever been captured by a, a major film studio, like, and just kind of put out there like, Hey, this is good. You right. And we're like, no, that's dumb. Um, so like that, that was kind of in that same vein and the same way that Obi-Wan kind of looked at the fence and couldn't figure out, like, just walk up the hill a little bit, dude. Like mm -hmm. you don't even have to like, it's not even like a hard hike. Like you don't even need to like lace your hiking boots up to get around it. Like he's staring at this fence, like all quizzically trying to figure out how to open it. Then he decides to blast it when he could have just literally walked around it. Um, like little things like that kind of bother me sometimes, especially when we've already seen something kind of dumb, but I do want to spend a second to talk about Leia. Because in all of sci-fi, the, the character of, of Leia Organa is among the greatest heroines that exist in sci-fi. And, and I would say pretty much all of fiction in general. I mean, she's up there with the greatest that we have. And I love that this younger version of herself stays authentic to that. This is exactly mm -hmm. how I imagine she would have been at this age. She is super smart. She is savvy. She is already a, a little badass. Like this is a chick who doesn't mess around. She is, she's oftentimes the smartest person in the room in most rooms she walks in and is already understanding the game as it's happening. And I just, I love that about her. I mean, you think about the kind of the original Trinity, of of the original you know the, the original trilogy you've got han you've got luke you've got leia of the three of them which one of them would you want to trifle with the least it's her right you know luke he could use the force he's got a lightsaber he's he's got a little bit whiny you know like han you, you never really know he's a scoundrel sometimes you know he's going to act in his own interest sometimes not leia will fillet you like mm -hmm. she will mess you up and not even think twice about it. The other two kind of iffy. Um, you never doubt where her motivations are and you never doubt she will go straight through you to accomplish them. You know, Luke, well, you know, if he can be redeemed, fine. Leia would not have cared to try to redeem Vader. She would have chucked him down the pit right after Palpatine. And I, I firmly believe that. Um, and the fact that he was able to be redeemed is probably a bonus to her, but she's like, eh. It's better than I would have done. I would have fed him to the rancor. You know, like, I love that we get that uh, from, like, the nine-year-old version of her. Heck, Leia will kiss her own brother to make men jealous. She'll do whatever she has to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> she doesn't mess around. But, no, I think, all kidding aside, I, I think that's a really good point. I think they have done uh, a really good job of, portraying leia as you know how she got to her 
you know, to the position that she is when we see her in a new hope. I feel like the way they portrayed this, you know, this younger version of her certainly lines up. And, you know, we've talked about that a bunch of times with other things where that's, that's not always easy to do where it can feel just really forced. Like, no, this kid does not come off as intelligent or a leader or so, you know, and I, I think they're doing an, an incredible job with that. So I, I totally agree. I mean, think how often in Star Wars canon, Princess Leia has already been abducted or stuck in like a cell of some kind, you know, a little short for a stormtrooper. Like I was half expecting her to say that at one point um, for somebody who gets abducted as often as she does. She's never felt like a damsel in distress to me. She's never felt like, oh, sorry, Mario, our princess is in another castle. Like mm-hmm. I've never got that vibe from her. I've always felt like she was pretty much going to handle it. Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Harrison, anything you want to add to that one? No, I was just going to say, I, uh, there was one scene that like really kind of added to it as well as when she, I believe she was talking to Obi-Wan, she kind of apologized for running away and said like, I'm sorry that I ran away. Um, I, I do it all the time. I didn't mean to or, or something like that. And like mm-hmm. that, that, that takes some intellect and maturity of a child to say, I mean, of anybody, especially a child to say that. And I like that scene. Um, adds to her character. I agree. Um, to take a character that is so just up there with characters that are written and, and to do her well as a nine-year-old is, is really uh, impressive, both from a performance and from a writing standpoint. Um, the one other thing just about the episode that I want to mention super quick, just real briefly that I love, was when, she, when Leia asked Obi-Wan about the Force. Uh, at mm. first, very characteristic of Leia. She's like, "Well, can't you just use the force and speed it up?" Like that was just, that was awesome. Um, can't this hunk of junk fly any faster? Um, but um, when she asked, "What does the force feel like?" Um, you know, knowing that she's force sensitive and, and that, but then also Obi Wan's response. He's like, "Have you ever been afraid of the dark? What does it feel like when you turn the lights back on?" It feels like that. Like what a beautiful explanation of the force. I've always wondered. You know, same question. What does the force feel like? And 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 I, I really love Luke's ex- explanation in the Last Jedi. I think that's one of the best parts of that entire film. Um, and I felt like this there are good parts of that film. Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh. Besides the end credits. <laughs> um, yeah, I just I just love that explanation, and it's one that I'll remember for a while. Yeah, I think it's uh, you know, like you said, I it's it's beautiful yet simplistic because. I mean, really, like, how do you feel when you flick the lights back on it? It's such a simple statement, but to somebody who, you know, at, at one point used the force for good and and to guide him, uh, I like that as well. Just him saying, like, how that made, you know, how the force made him feel. So I, I thought that was actually really well done as well. Yeah. So, so let's. Uh, uh, yeah, we'll we'll wrap that up. We'll move on to to roll credits, give our final thoughts and and our real ratings. So, Harrison, I'm going to let you go first with uh, the real rating for episode three of, of Obi Wan out of our scale out of five. And any any final thoughts you'd like to say as to why you're you know you came to that conclusion? Yeah, I'm going to put this at just a, a solid four. There was a lot of things that I was really. Um, let me start this sentence over. Th- this episode showed me things that I didn't d- – showed me stories 
that I didn't think could be told in Star Wars. It gave more to characters that I've loved for years and and brought those characterizations that I always felt were a part of them that weren't developed really well in the prequel trilogy, like we've talked about, George Lucas isn't the best writer, um, and, and has brought them out uh, for you know the dark side and the light side of people and, and has done characters that I care about really well and is telling a really interesting story that has tension, which is... It's difficult to do. I, I do get nervous every once in a while. You know, how, how are they going to do with this whole prequel thing? Are they going to have to retcon something? But but more than retconning, they're just further establishing these characters that I've cared about for years. And not like, oh, here's this new detail, this big revelation about the character. No, but, but here's more about who they are and why you like them as an individual and as a character uh, for the character that they had. Uh, and I just like that. And, and it was entertaining. It was visually incredibly well done. There was those moments we talked about that just had me up and out of my seat. I just couldn't believe that I was watching it. Yeah, and, it and it was just a good time. It, it left me wanting more in, in some good ways and also in some annoying ways, like I mentioned. There's, there's a little bit of it that was disappointing, so that's why it's not quite a five. Yeah, no, I think some very strong points as to why uh, you would rate that episode the way you you do. Uh, Rob, I'll let you close off the segment, so I'll go next with I'm going to give this a four and a half. Uh, I just I love everything to do with Vader, his presence, um, him just being incredibly intimidating, the acting from Ewan McGregor. I think there's a lot that this episode gets done right. The the take the takeaway for a half a star is there is some very very clunky and again I know it's Star Wars but you know I, I think we've seen that they can do Star Wars without the weird clunky dialogue and I don't know if again this is supposed to just be because it's in the same era as when George Lucas did his movies um, you know these are the characters that have already been written. But there, I feel like more so than any of these other Star Wars shows, there has been some tra- like very traditional clunky Star Wars dialogue, which in an episode like this that I feel did so many things right, it really, really sticks out like a sore thumb for me. Uh, so I'm going to I take away half of a reel on that. Um, but I, I do give this this episode four and a half. Yeah, I'm I'm right there at four and a half as well. Um, there's a couple of things like you just have to go. Well, I, I suppose they're just all dumb, and that's why that works. Um, you know, it's funny Harrison mentions. You know, he's just kind of always nervous about what has to happen. You know, you think about they're trying to tell this story in the year 2022, and this story is supposed to take place prior to the events of a film that was released in 1977. There are so many things, I'm sure, that when they sat down and were conceptualizing this, that they were like, holy cow, I wish we could do this, but you can't because it it wouldn't make sense with what had already happened. I mean, who would have thought back in 1977 that there would have been a streaming show focusing mm-hmm. on a character who dies, not even at the climax of the end of the first film? And right. he's getting a six episode streaming show. I mean, just I mean, that would have just been ludicrous at that point. I'm sure there are so many things they wish they could do, but they just can't because it doesn't line up with with actual continuity. And you have to you would have to kind of dance around that. And I always just kind of in the back of my mind, I, I kind of worry a little bit that it's that something's going to happen. I'm going to be like, wait, that doesn't make sense. I hate this now. Um 
but uh, so until, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but I, I still like, I, I kind of have like a nervous tension at times uh, watching some of these things like that, but four and a half for this one uh, really enjoy a lot of what's going on, but there's, there's just a couple of things that just don't make sense. And, and you have to kind of come up with explanations in your head to try to make them make sense for me. Robert, I just got to say that, sorry, I keep interrupting you, Matt. I apologize. No, you're fine. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> saying it, as, as much as I agree with you about the nervousness of, of being, of retconning and, because of A New Hope, how they may have thought, oh, we can't do this as much as we want to. The other side of that um, coin that I think is also really exciting is what they get to do. Like, like when I think of Ben Kenobi in A New Hope, I think of this old guy that has found peace in life and has found a sense of, of understanding and belonging and is extending that to a younger generation and is also helping someone overcome their own inadequacies and their infirmities and their their worries and fears and confront something larger than life with Luke and Vader and to take and and to take this broken who who feels like you failed the entire galaxy and to get him to go from here to Ben Kenobi in A New Hope is a wonderful story that I'm excited they're telling it really does feel so talking more about A New Hope you know when we when we meet Ben there he feels like a man coming out of retirement as opposed to a man still living with the cost of his failure. Mm, you know, mm-hmm. he feels much more like somebody who's come to terms with it and is in it is and is at peace with it and is planning on living out his days. You know, it, it doesn't feel like he's just waiting for Luke to come up the hill, um, you know, asking to borrow a cup of sugar and be like, Hey kid, why are you here for that sugar? How about some force training? You know, like it doesn't <laughs> seem like he's, um, got like, you know, free candy in a white van and you actually get force training while you're there. Like it, it doesn't seem like that's who he is. Um, so to kind of to your point, yeah. How do we get from a very emotional and I wouldn't call Obi-Wan in this series broken per se. Uh, but man, he's, he's got kind of a crap life and, uh, he seems pretty miserable. He seems very depressed. We don't, I don't get that vibe from him when we, when we, you know, technically first met him uh, in uh, in a new hope. So yeah. How we get from point A to point B, I think, I think that's a very interesting story. And I, and I hope we, I hope we get something that really connects those dots properly. Yeah. Great. I, I think really, really good points. And it, you know, as much as we don't, uh, as much as we don't have left in this show, I will tell you that, you know, this episode just dropped, what, Friday, Thursday, you know, three days ago. And God, this this week to episode four, it, it already feels like a month. Um, I am just, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm so ready for this, you know, this next episode. And then if this episode is better than what we got in three, then it's just going to make episode five feel even longer. So even though there's only three episodes left, like, I don't know for you guys, but this, you know, this wait here to get to episode four, like, I feel like I watched this. Like, I honestly, I feel like I watched this two weeks ago already. Like I am just, I'm so anticipating this next episode that it feels like forever. Isn't it great when Star Wars is good? Yeah, no, that's that's the thing, Rob. You know, I I said this to you, and I I don't know if Harrison, you were on at that at that time, or if Rob and I had this conversation just separately. But for me, yeah, just 
nothing hits as as well as Star Wars does when it's good. Like the best theater experience I've had of my life was because of Endgame. But sitting like in the comfort of my own home and the feeling like of thinking back on things, it's just when Star Wars is good, there's I, I don't get the same emotion from any other medium. I am 100% yeah. with you. As much as I like the MCU, as much as I like a lot of things, um, when Star Wars is good, there's nothing as good as it is when it's at its best. Yeah, I had a, a funny experience with that today. My my uh, nieces and nephews came to visit us today, and uh, while well, their dad, my brother-in-law, was uh, getting some out of a trailer. Um, and uh, so we were trying to enter- entertain my niece, who's, uh, she's, how old is she, a year and a half? I'm asking my wife next to me a year and a half. <laughs> um, yeah, so she's a year and a half. So we were trying to entertain her. We don't have too many things here. And she went, and I have this big, poofy baby Yoda pillow that's, like, really adorable and cutified. Uh, so she had that. And then I have, like, this stuffed, plushy baby Yoda that's, like, true to size. Uh, and so she was holding the baby Yoda and then, like, laying down on the baby Yoda pillow that was, like, the same size as her. And it was adorable. Uh, it just around this baby Yoda. It was so cute. And I was like, I really love that little green guy. And and like, it was the weirdest <laughs> thing. <laughs> but like, I really just thought that. And 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 I really agree with what you're saying. Like, when Star Wars is working, it really, like I had mentioned earlier, that line about the Force feeling like turning on the lights when you're afraid of the dark. Uh, like, there are just those things that, that last. And, and Star Wars really has that that power when they're doing it right. And, and so far, Obi-Wan is doing it right. I mean, yeah. thinking about something as simple as the first time we hear Darth Vader's breath in this episode, tell me that didn't mm. have an effect on you. Because oh, yeah. if you yeah. can honestly say you felt nothing the first time you heard him breathe this episode, I'm going to say you're lying to me. Yeah. And think about how weird that sounds. Yeah. Like. <laughs> Out of context, that's, that's the talk of a crazy person. <laughs> like, so, yeah, it's just... It, it, it can't come soon enough. I can't wait for the next episode. But before we get there, uh, you know, and before we sign off, Harrison, I will let you uh, take a second. Let the listeners know for maybe this is the first time uh, a listener has ever listened to Matt Goes to the Movies. And they're like, who is this guy? Like, why why would he be here? Um, tell okay. him about the basement binge. <laughs> Well, thank you. If you are a listener and this is your first time listening to Matt Goes to the Movies, I am so excited for you that you're here. Please enjoy it as much as you can. There are great things. We we really are big fans of Star Wars here at Matt Goes to the Movies, the three of us. So we've done pretty much all things Star Wars. Uh, I'm pretty sure we have covered everything Star Wars, if I remember right. Yes. Twice yeah. o- twice over for me. That's how I started the entire <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So the Basement Binge, if you haven't heard of that yet, is my podcast. Uh, it's a movie review podcast very similar to this. So, yeah, just binging your favorite movies and, and then finding meaning and taking meaning out of them and, and also just having a lot of fun enjoying movies. So uh, most recently did some episodes on Top Gun and then Top Gun Maverick, which I thoroughly enjoy trying to go see it again. It um, is killing at the box office. Yeah, yeah, and understandably so. It is good. If you have not seen Top Gun Maverick, go see it. it it's phenomenal. 
Um, so yeah, I'm ex I'm ex I'm glad it's doing so good at the box office. So yeah, there's exciting things. I hear Mago's movies. We've been they've been they and me for one episode, and hopefully this one coming up. Been doing Jurassic Park. I know I'm going to be reviewing the new Jurassic World movie when it comes out. So yeah, lots of exciting things over the Basement Binge. You can get it wherever you get podcasts. Uh, yeah, wherever you're currently listening to Matt Goes the Movies, go subscribe to Matt Goes the Movies if you're not, and then afterwards go look for the Basement Binge and subscribe to that. I would appreciate it. Awesome. Rob, uh, Harrison mentioned it. We've got some other things coming up here and take us through what, uh, you know, obviously we're going to continue to do Obi-Wan, but we have been working on a, on another project that is, you know, coming to a close pretty soon. Yeah. So one that I'm kind of excited to revisit, um, so far the, uh, previous five, uh, uh, films in the Jurassic Park slash Jurassic World series are available on this same channel that you are currently hearing my words coming out of your speakers or your AirPods right into your ears. You can follow those right back to the app that you're listening to this on, and you can scroll through and find the other episodes, including uh, recently the entire Halo series has a recap for it, as well as uh, the first three Jurassic Park and the Jurassic World film. Uh, we are getting ready to do uh, Fallen Kingdom next. That's coming up very, very soon in anticipation of Jurassic World Dominion, which looks like it could be really cool. I'm hearing some mixed things from early reviews, so um, I, I want it to be good. I want it so badly to be good. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to sitting down and rewatching Fallen Kingdom because it's the one I've definitely seen the least um, and have not seen really all that recently. Um, I have a couple of things I definitively remember about it, and I think there's some, I have some opinions on those things that I remember. Um, so just more than anything, I'm, I'm excited to go revisit that film to get ready for uh, what will play out of it into the next one. So if you don't have the kind of time to go back and rewatch all of those films and you're excited for the for the new film, um, go listen to those episodes and you'll get a great idea of what was going on and, and what we liked about them. So uh, highly, highly recommend those. Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. Uh, I'm certainly much like you said, Rob, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching um, Fallen World because it is the one I remember the least out of all of the movies. Uh, so I'm certainly looking forward to, to seeing that again. And listeners, like, you know, Harrison said, you know, when you're checking out the show, if this is your first episode, uh, hopefully this brings you back. And if you like this episode or any other episodes, uh, we encourage you not only for Matt Goes to the Movies, but for The Basement Binge to head over to podchaser.com where you can review podcasts, individual episodes, or the podcast as a whole. Uh, we certainly appreciate five-star reviews, but we also appreciate honest reviews. Head over, leave those reviews. And for our show, uh, you can get in contact with us through Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and the show's email, which is simply the show's uh, abbreviated letters, podcast at gmail.com. Always love interacting with listeners and hearing your thoughts on the show or ideas for the show. So with all that being said, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And until next time, we will see you very soon at Matt Goes to the Movies.